Hey, my friend, welcome to the Living a Better Story podcast. You know, sometimes we call this podcast an experience because all throughout the mass variety of amazing guests we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business growth numbers, forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. My name is Daryl Stinson, and I'm one of the content producers here. I trust that you're already living an amazing story, but whether you are or not, we are here to help you live a better one. The process is simple. No matter where you are in business or life, we are going to show you how to complete your past, tell the truth about your current reality, and empower you to live a better story. So, as you hear stories that inspire you and information that can help you, please do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast, share with others, and let us hear about the goodness that's happening in your life. All right, my friend, that's all for now. Go enjoy the episodes and get ready to swing open wide the door to unlimited opportunities. Hey, everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast Today, I'm with Mary Ann Jacobs, and Mary Ann is the CEO of Girl Scouts America, North Florida. I believe it's called Gateway Council, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. And uh, Mary Ann's here, and she's got a lot to share with us today. We all hit the proverbial buzzsaw of life moments, and some of us hit more than one. And, and Mary Ann certainly has experienced a handful. So, uh, and, and she's here talking to us today and helping society. So, uh, we're going to dig into a lot with Marianne here in the next 30 minutes. All right. So first question, Marianne, and thank you for joining. Uh, welcome sure. to the show. So first question is, if, if if your friends, family, or people that know you, what what would the three words be that they that you think they would use to describe you as a person? Well, you know, this is something that's really interesting to me because um, – we live almost in two worlds, right? We live in our corporate America world and and then you live in a personal world, or I believe we do anyhow. And so I thought about this question a couple times as most people ask this in an interview or whatever. So um, I think my friends and family would say faithful, I'm driven, and I'm human. Outstanding. And what about your business colleagues then? Since you opened would, that door. <laughs> definitely say driven, uh, visionary. And I, I believe they would say um, kind or cares for me. Excellent. I think those two worlds are starting to come together now because if you think about it, traditionally we'd all get in our car, drive into an office. And so the corporation kind of owned the behaviors in the office. Right. Nowadays, hey, you're in my house. <laughs> you know, we can I think the lines are starting to blend, at least that's what I'm feeling out in the world. Oh, I certainly hope so. I know as a CEO, I can set the the pace, right? I can I can create the environment. And uh, we have a number of believers that I consider really heavy prayer warriors on my team and so that really helps a lot to uh, just stay focused on what is the most important and then to create an environment and culture where people want to be. Yes. 
Well, I was a Cub Scout and I won the Pinewood Derby in Colorado. The car number, funny enough, was 77. And 30, 40 years later, as luck would have it, um, the name of my prayer app is called 77 Pray. And I had no idea it would be named that. And yet that car sat on my desk in the office for 10 years and I never even put two and two together. But it's Matthew 7, 7. Mm-hmm. Ask and it shall be given, you know, knock and it will be right. open. Oh, my goodness. I think that as we look back, right, I always share with particularly women, if you look in the rearview mirror, look over your left shoulder. You'll see that he was with you all the time. <laughs> yes. Yes. No matter what. So let's do that. Let's go back. I like to start by going to young age. So five, six, seven. Think of when you're really young. Were you always in Florida? And what was your passion? Like when when you, you know, got up in the morning, what lit you up and made you excited? Oh, that's a great question. So no, I'm from Western Pennsylvania, actually, outside of Pittsburgh. And so I grew up in a very small rural town. Well, first and second grade. I was in a Catholic school. But what I think excited me the most, which is interesting now, is just, uh, I was the oldest of three children at that time. We have a total of six. But so my sister and brother and I would, we were, it was a rural neighborhood, not even a neighborhood actually. And we would just go outside and play. Just be kids. No worries in the world. And um, so I, I really, I still to this day, I do not like to camp, <laughs> but I do really enjoy just being outside and seeing God's glory, honestly. I mean, and, and I had a pastor share one time that everything God creates grows up, right? Grass, trees, everything, flowers grow up to glorify him, everything he created. So I really just enjoy, um, I enjoyed getting outside playing with my sister and my brother and not a care in the world. Wow. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, next question. If if that person, that child that was you, mm-hmm. was in the room with you right now sitting across the table and said, man, Mary Ann, you've done a great job. Like, what do you think? Would, would the younger you tell yourself, you're doing precisely what I thought you should be doing? Or would she say, yeah, there's a little bit of a gap and you might want to do this? What, what do you think she would tell you? Right now, if yeah. I'm doing what, what I'm doing, I think she would say what I'm doing right now is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And, and I know that through a lot of different affirmations. I know that. Uh, I believe she would say, you had to work really hard to get there. And you missed yeah. a lot of blessings because... You, you tried to do it on your own. Mm, wow. That's a big one right yeah. there. So people going through tough times, man, when you know there's someone right there arm in arm with you, mm-hmm. it changes the equation, right? Knowing that there's, knowing that your creator is right in the front seat with you. Yeah, for it's sure. Amazing. And I don't, I, sometimes I, I wonder, and listen, I haven't always been here. I haven't always fully understood the peace that transcends all understanding. But I, 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 
I wonder how individuals who don't understand that and don't have a relationship with Jesus, don't know that God loves us more than anything, how, how do they get through tough times? Yes. Well, it's funny because we're moving the house. In fact, movers are moving stuff as we speak. Normally, my background's a little nicer than two <laughs> windows. But um, yesterday night, I my grandparents had a picture of Jesus uh, on the road to Gethsemane. And it's in my dining room. Mm -hmm. And I had already packed the car to the hilt. And so there's nowhere else to put it except for the front seat. Mm. And I set it on the front seat just so the movers wouldn't move it because it's a very important sentimental picture to me. Right. And it, if you touch the Jesus robe, it's like it feels like you're touching majesty because mm. even it's a picture. And so I put it in the front seat and I'm like, wow, think of the think of what that means when when you allow God to drive and you're in the passenger seat. And then this morning I was like, OK, I actually have to move the car now. What do I do? And I put the picture of Jesus in the closet and I go, you know what? Isn't that what we also do? We try to allow him to drive sometimes and then sometimes we put him in the closet. Right. right. Oh, and I was oh. just like, wow. So that's, that's why I said human because yeah. we do that. We're human. So, and we're, we live in a world that really isn't his, right? I mean, right now this world is really pretty much controlled by Satan bottom line. So, um, I do that too. That's so funny, Chad, my grandmother, my Bubba, <laughs> uh, we were, uh, my mom is Italian and my dad was Czechoslovakian. So we called my, my grandmother Bubba, but she, they obviously have passed a long time ago. But when my mom and dad were cleaning up a house and getting ready to build their house on a farm, they, my grandparents had a farm they, she had this picture, which I remember in her living room for years. And it's Jesus knocking, knocking at the door. Right. So, um, my mom and I were chatting one day after the house had been cleaned, demolished, and they were starting to build. And I said, whatever happened to that picture? And she said, I have no idea. I, I have no idea where it is. I, somebody probably took it. Um, my grandmother had zillions of grandchildren and I don't know where that picture showed up, but it's actually in my office now. Wow. And it, it is just, yeah, I think he had been knocking for a long time for me. And again, the humanness, you just, I got this. I've got it. I take care of myself. No one's going to help. No one's going to control whatever. Yes. Wow. Okay. Now we get into the part where, you know, we've been in fifth gear and everything's smooth sailing and then, you know, the gears grind. What, um, tell us about a buzzsaw moment that you're comfortable sharing, you know, that, that really was tough and it's the mountain that you had to face. And then, you know, how'd you get through it? So uh, at my age, there are so many, as you mentioned earlier, I think, uh, <laughs> I'm really struggling to share too. Uh, I, I really um, feel like it's important to, sh I lost a son. My first husband and I lost a son to a babysitter. I mean, she shook our child and he um, was transported life, uh, life copter and um, just a horrible, 
horrible situation. He lived for seven months as a complete vegetable and he was just uh, eight months or eight weeks old when this happened, seven weeks old. And so I remember sitting in the hospital before he was transported to a trauma center and thinking, praying, praying, but not knowing, right? I mean, I was raised Catholic, which there are many Catholics, I, I understand, but there oftentimes isn't a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. And in that situation, it, it's just a religion that doesn't maybe not encourage that. So, but I was praying desperately. And my husband at that time um, said something or whatever. And I remember saying, this isn't our only life. This is just the beginning of what eternal life will look like. And and his name was Andy, and I, and Andy will be with God in heaven forever, and we will see him again. And so that was just like that that little knocking again that Jesus was knocking. I I I didn't really get through that very well. Uh, I probably started drinking a little too heavily. I started working a little too much, and then a couple years later, decided it was time to um, divorce my husband and my first husband, and then uh, really started on a, a journey of finding myself. Because the second thing I thought, oh, should I share this or what, is that the first relationship and marriage was tumultuous. It was terrible, actually. So there was no um, coming together to create a circle of grieving together. I totally, um, I grieved completely different than he did. And, uh, and so it was... It, it just, I don't know. Now that I look back on it, it was really all a blessing. All of that prepared me. I call it my Jesus resume, Chad, mm -hmm. right? It, it's just mm -hmm. all of the different things. So the tumultuous marriage, but the loss of my son uh, really were two catalysts for, okay, something's not right here. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I had COVID in September and... Mm -hmm. I'm the tough guy that's like, it's fine. I'll be okay. And mm -hmm. by day six or seven, the oxygen went down to 72. <laughs> and you're supposed to be at 90 and above. And um, and, and I, I literally could see the tunnel come in and I'm just like, oh no. Mm -hmm. And I was like, God, if this is my time, I'm yours. Like, you know, I'm yours. And mm -hmm. I said, I, I work for you 75% of the time now. And I was like, I was almost at a hundred. And I'm like, I think you have more for me to do here. But if, if not, that's okay. And then, and then I broke down crying, and I'm like, "But I want to see my kids grow up." A couple of days later, I prayed. I said, "God, I've never really met met you. Like, will you come? You know, I, I'm I have dreams that are pretty good. Mm -hmm. And that night, it was peace of mind that passes all understanding. And I literally sat there for a minute. And I I even remember praying. I was like, even if it's only for a minute. And I sat up because my wife was still in quarantine in the other room. I was quarantined. And I just, I was like, oh, wow, this is it. It was so peaceful. It was like wearing a Bose headset, a river running by of just life. And and so I'm like, okay, that's what it's like. It's just, so the next day I woke up and I'm like, got it. You confirmed what I thought. Eternity is just going to be peaceful and calm by myself. And then God corrected me because I'm like, wait, I just prayed to meet him. I didn't right. pray about him. 
the next day at four in the morning, this was a whole 24 hours later, I was chasing my wife in a garden and we were young. It was like our normal head on a kid's body. And then, and I'm like, okay, this is neat. I understand eternity now. But then there was one other person running also. And I'm like, oh, and it just gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Cause I'm like, God, there is eternity and there are everybody else is going to be there. Yeah. Right. And it's like, I met God. And then the very next day he showed me what happens. Like, oh my gosh. Well, you know what they say? If you're not dead, God's not done. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. There you go, Chad. He's got lots that's of things. The of this interview, I think. <laughs> if you're not dead, God's not done. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling he's got a lot of work for me to do in the next, uh, the next 48, as they say. Um, okay, so you said there were maybe a second one. Should we? I think we should go there because it sounds like you want to share the other the other buzzsaw moment. Yeah. The um. So uh, interesting. I met I met my my husband Jeff, and uh, it was I don't know. Just um, I was single, had my daughter, had my son, but uh, my son was not living with me at the time. He was with my first his dad. And my daughter, uh, we were doing great, you know? I'm a strong woman. I'm driven. I was financially successful enough at that time. And uh, um, I met Jeff uh, just on a a whim. And a, a friend of ours invited us to a concert, a Christian concert. And I didn't fully understand why these individuals that were singing on stage were, you know, just giving God glory. I had no idea what that was, what they were doing. One of them was a friend of mine. And I actually thought that she was like, her dad had just died. So maybe talking to her dad after a great song, I have no clue. And then I started to watch um, Dr. Charles Stanley and I can't remember the name of his program on television now. I think it's Insight or whatever. But anyhow, one Sunday morning, I just accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior on television. And what's really funny is I was in the television industry at the same time. And so it was it was just a remarkable, remarkable time for me. And uh, as I look back on it, I know it was in the right time for Jesus and, and the Lord to bless me and to uh, adopt me into his family, I just go, why couldn't this happen sooner? <laughs> but I think everybody, people that may be listening to this that are struggling through some things may, um, may get some encouragement from God uses every aspect of your life to draw him closer to you. And sometimes you do. You do what I did. Nope, I got this for a long time. And then he finally says, done, you're mine. And yeah. then you really fully understand, like you said, the, the peace. Uh, and, and you know that you're not walking alone. And so I, I to this day, um, love Charles Stanley because he really, did, um, he really did lead me to Christ. Well, I heard an interesting story a week and a half ago. I was in Nashville. And we hung out with some friends that are an hour north of there. And he had heard Joel Osteen tell a story about Billy Graham. 
And apparently Billy Graham used to wear, they, you know, he couldn't, he was famous now. So he couldn't really go meet homeless people like he liked to and wanted mm-hmm. to. Well, he convinced his handlers to, to let him go out, but he had to wear a hat and a wig and some eyebrows and teeth and stuff. So he goes up to this homeless person and he's like, hey, I just want to tell you, Jesus loves you. He's like, no, he doesn't. And he goes, no, no, I'm here. I want to. And he started giving him some quotes out of scripture and whatnot. And um, he goes, listen, sir, I appreciate what you're trying to do here. But I prayed often that if God's real, that Billy Graham would actually come and see me. <laughs> and so he takes off his hat he takes off his eyebrows oh. and he goes sir i'm billy graham and the guy was just like he fell down and just on his knees oh and that sure was can you yeah. imagine i mean doesn't that just and and that's where if someone's listening i mean really it's as simple as praying a prayer even if you all you have to have is a mustard seed of faith mm-hmm. and say god look if you're real just show me something and and you don't want to you don't have to tempt them like it's not you know just open my eyes to your amazingness mm-hmm. because life's hard and things are tough for me right now and so if you would just show me that all that that's all it takes usually and then and then you just the light starts coming in and it blinds you and you see i know and you see and you and you experience what life real life is is truly about I, you know i i i don't know I, I read the bible every morning i don't get out of bed until i read the bible and i don't say i study it but i read it right i study yes. it in other ways shape or form but i do not put my feet on the floor until I read something, I'm, I've been I'm reading it from beginning to end, and I, the second time I'm in the message, and I just sit there and and think about my gosh, what what about the people who don't know him, and how and and then he you know he's not going to come back again until he's satisfied with who knows him, <laughs> and so I'm like come on, know him, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Well, The Chosen's been a great show that's impacting, I think, a lot of people around the world. I think so, too, for sure. I think that really has some legs. Did you see the Christmas special by any chance? I did. I did. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my goodness. And I, I don't, I think it was only available in this market anyhow through December 12th. But my husband and I went and there were only four people in the theater, myself, Jeff, and this, uh, a woman with her elderly mother elderly mother. But my friends had all said, oh, the theater's been packed uh, up until we saw it probably just recently. So yeah, that, that really brings in, in my opinion, the experience more alive, right? It doesn't, it shouldn't have to be, but for those that don't know it, it can clearly help maybe close some of the gaps. It's, it's hard to connect the dots to say that this was real. Like when you watch the passion of the Christ and you look at the moon is, I think is the very first scene mm-hmm. they're zoomed in on the moon. You're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I see that every day. And then they go down to the garden you're like, Oh, got it. Mm-hmm. It was under the same moon and stars that we see every day. You know, what, and that's what this movie does is connect. Right. Those dots. Right. And everywhere. Right, it's the yeah. same moon in Turkey yes. as it is in California or Florida or Canada. It's the same sun 
S-U-N and the same S-O-N. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's exactly right. All right, let's ask you this question. Um, you've worked in an industry that is typically male-dominated, I mm -hmm. understand. And it's interesting because I had the opposite when I was my first job out of college. I went to a staffing industry that was female-dominated. And so it's the... Man, I have empathy for the, you know, because I'm, I'm a fish out of water. It's yeah. like, wait a minute, all this estrogen. And I was like the only guy that was there. And that, that uh, company didn't work. I, I stayed less than a year. And then the rest is history. But tell me about your experience of being uh, female in a male-dominated industry. <clears throat> well, initially... Um... It was, it was kind of where I wanted to be, really, because women can be really tough and we can be really mean. Uh, so I, I, I played in that sandbox really well. And then um, as I was passed up for some promotions that obviously I felt I was capable of and more than qualified than the candidate, obviously God didn't think it was right for me, but... Uh, I get now that I look back on it, but uh, it was really tough. And I I remember one night we were, it was a team of eight. I was the only female on this particular team. The industry was dominated by males for sure, but this team, uh, and we're sitting at the table with even corporate attorneys talking about things that were just completely inappropriate for, for, a, for me, for any woman to hear. It just was inappropriate. And that's when I said, okay, I'm done. And, uh, I, I was a believer at that point and I really felt the Lord leading me to do something else. And I'll never forget coming home. And, and I, I've been the breadwinner. My husband stayed at home with my daughter. And so I came home and said, I'm done. I'm retiring. I was eligible for early retirement. I, I'm getting out. And there was, um, there was no, uh, there was like no affirmation or anything, and I, I, but I felt at peace with that. And I worked for some wonderful men, but I also knew that there had to be something else. And so, um, even though it was very male dominated, the, the company poured thousands and thousands and probably tens of thousands of dollars into training and you know leadership development and la di da. Uh, so when I came, I, I literally was signing the documents, Chad, to retire with the HR person. And I received an email from a recruiter that talked about these two positions with the, with the Girl Scouts. And I was a Girl Scout and uh, through high school, actually, but I had totally disconnected. And, and I, when I read the email, I, I, I thought, well, hey. I led businesses for this large telecom company. I can certainly lead this little business. Uh, anyhow, it's not so little, but um, it it all it all just everything that I did in the male-dominated environment made me more passionate for the girls that were going through the leadership experience and training to be scientists and, and, and training to be women who speak up and, and such. So I, I believe that that male dominated environment was just preparing me for where I am now. He let you see that. Yeah. So that when you, 
impact these girls with their future, that you give them the tools that they need to go in and, and be uber successful and in, a, in, a, in an industry like that. That's very interesting. I love that. I, I think in today's environment, it's more open to conversation, right? I think 30, 40 years ago, people didn't have these right. these dialogues. It was just like, oh, hey, don't why, why are you making a big deal out of something? And nowadays, it's like, whoa, 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 time right. out. Let's right. talk. Uh, so that's that's great what you're doing. How um, are there any <clears throat> any any success stories recently of uh, of someone that you worked with that you're like, oh, this woman, she's so amazing. Like, what was the what's something cool that you've seen happen there? Well, um, not so about a year and a half ago. Well, actually, I'm going to go back even further. We uh, we had a Girl Scout volunteer who called me. It's probably five, six years ago. I've been there almost nine years. And she said, I just, I didn't know her that well. And she just said, I just wanted you to know I'm praying for you today. I was like, well, let me tell you that I walked into a, a, a nonprofit that really needed some real bench and, and business knowledge. So I was really having a tough time. Um, working way too hard, left that male dominated environment and worked way too hard, gave up way too much of my personal life and my family's life to fix this nonprofit. And then, um, so this Amanda calls me and she says, I, I just want you to know, I'm, I don't know why, but the Lord led me to pray for you. It was amazing. I started just crying. I got off the phone. It was just a great affirmation. And now she's a staff member. And so she is one of my um, prayer warriors who I know does an amazing job. She, I don't, I rarely get to be face to face with girls. I'm the CEO. I did this past week. I had a great time with about 300 girls, but it doesn't happen often. I'm risk management and, you know, all of that stuff and a financial security and sustainability. Anyhow, I know that Amanda is. With, she's our outdoor programming manager. So she's with girls day in and day out, sometimes for weeks at a time at camp. So I know she, it's just remarkable to watch how she witnesses to them. And it's more of how she loves on them and her behavior than vocal, hey, do you know Jesus? Wow. I, I think a big part of that story is the random acts of prayer. Because mm -hmm. I've seen that happen myself a handful of times in the last year. And I'll be on a business meeting and someone will go, hey, do you mind if I just pray for you right now? And at first, for me, flipping the script and doing that myself, it's a little bit uncomfortable the first time or two. You're like, oh, I'm not a trained minister or anything. Right. Well, God doesn't call trained ministers to do these kinds yeah. of things. It turns out, he he needs you and me and people who've gone through the traumatic experiences to yes. to pray at times. So really neat. All right, last question, and that is, I, I've already seen it just in our conversation so far, but um, I like to ask it this way, and I learned this from a guy who played Peter Pan in uh, in Florida at the park oh. at Disneyland. So he. He said, Chad, I really love your podcast. Why don't you ask this question? Tell me about a time where God undeniably showed up for you, right? Could Sometimes God talks to people. Sometimes, I mean, how, 
I, I want people on the other side of this conversation to understand, oh, wow, that because there's so many ways he shows up. Oh, so many ways. I should write a book on the ways <laughs> for me personally, or at least write them down. That's probably something we all should do, right? Is That's right. I'm not a very good journaler. So, um, oh gosh, I think about this. I was, my husband was going on a mission trip to Chile and I was, um, I was the keep the children person, which is not really my gift, honestly. <laughs> Anyhow, so I, uh, but I, uh, before the trip, they needed curriculum for a um, children's program. And I, I, I volunteered in the children's and I always had in churches and stuff. And so one morning, about three o'clock in the morning, God woke me up and put me in front of my computer. And I wrote seven days of children's curriculum. And when I was, I had no idea where it came from. None, none, none. And, um, but when I was finished, I just started laughing I, because I was, I was in this zone of God and he laughed with me. He mm. laughed with me and it was a, it was a joyous laugh. Like, Oh my, you know, I just couldn't believe I did this. It wasn't, Oh my gosh, this is funny. It was, oh, I, I'm so excited. I did this and this had to be God. And, and he laughed, he laughed with me. Uh, it was just one of the many times, but that is one that I will never forget. Wow. I just, that, see, I'm so happy that I asked that question. Timmy was so right. One, one woman was in college at Ohio State University, the Ohio State University, I think they call it. And um, her dad was a professor there. And then she goes to college and she was attacked basically by this bad person. And she saw God weeping for her during the attack. Oh, wow. Because when you ask, when did God, when, what was your buzzsaw? She told me that story. Mm -hmm. Ten minutes later, when did God undeniably show up? In that moment. Because he, he can laugh, he can cry. Right, right. And he, so it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. He can laugh, he can cry. He, I mean, he holds your hand. He walks beside you. He senses your joy. He feels your, your sorrow. Yeah. I yeah. hope everybody understands that someday. Soon. Uh, yeah. All you got to do is ask, man. If you just ask, the mustard seed sized faith is all right. it takes. And then look out, world. Um, well, what an amazing conversation, Marianne. If people want to get a hold of you, how would they reach out to you or... Or what would be a well, the best way, it's, and it's very simple, is my name, Mary Ann Jacobs. There's an E on Ann. And it's all together, Mary Ann Jacobs at Comcast.net. I would love to pray with someone or hear from someone, and then uh, we can determine how the conversation goes from there. I love that. It's, it's amazing when you turn your life over to, to God, you're, you become accessible because God doesn't say, I'm living in an ivory tower and you can't. You know, I'm unaccessible. We're right. his, his hands, uh, his mouth, his, you know. We're, exactly. We're and, and Chad, what you're doing is just an amazing feat. I mean, really, he is using what you are doing to be his hands and his feet. And, and um, I love that. 
I'm envious. Well, there's a book coming out and it's what I did is I've taken these conversations, converted it to text and then pulled out two of the questions, the buzzsaw moment and where did God show up? And it, it turns out to be about a four to eight page section per those two questions. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I had no idea why God had me do these podcasts. I'm just like, okay, I don't know where the monetization is. I don't really care. I was like, I just, I want to get to know people at a deep level mm -hmm. and it's fun. I just enjoy helping people expose their traumas and how that, and how God shows up in that. And it's just, it's been amazing. And now there's a book coming out. There's a kid's book coming out. There's all kinds of fun. Things well, he's blessing out. you because you've been obedient. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly yes. and, we're, and we're moving to a house by my parents in oh. the neighborhood where they live. So that's, that's important. important. Very important. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining another living a better story podcast. Marianne Jacobs from Florida, Girl Scouts of America, uh, CEO of the North Florida area. So thank you, Marianne. Thank you, Chad. God bless. Thank you for listening to another episode of Living a Better Story. We hope that today's show has inspired you to cultivate a better understanding of yourself so you can discover your God-given purpose and start living a better story. For the show notes, visit livingabetterstory.org forward slash podcast, where you can also find other helpful resources. Connect with us and join us again next time for another purposeful show.